0: Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode. My name is Katie Papo. And here with me today, I have a special guest, Bethany Dotson, who I will I'll introduce you now. Why not? Yeah. So um, Bethany, well, first of all, let me just say I've known Bethany for a few years now, and I would consider us to be colleagues and friends. <laughs> um, and we've talked a lot because one of the things, you know, Bethany's a relationship expert. I'll give you like more of her details in a second, but the bottom line is Bethany's a relationship expert and a lot of times when it comes to binge eating, right, we're focused on food, but we're not actually, you know, a lot of treatment out there isn't actually focusing on healing the relationship. It's like focusing on eat this, but not that, but it's not about healing the overall relationship and the patterns that keep sending you into the same loop over and over. So part of knowing how to heal your relationship with food is knowing how to heal relationships. So who better than to invite Bethany on to talk about some of this these topics. So So Bethany is a trauma-informed yoga therapist and relationship coach who helps us. um, She's going to help us with her perspective on self-worth today. Um, She is a domestic violence and childhood trauma survivor herself. And now she's had over a decade of experience helping um, professional high-achieving women, and I'm assuming men can also relate, um, who have anxiety or PTSD, um, people who find themselves in toxic relationships over and over um, and really navigate that conflict and and create healthy relationships. So today we're going to talk about that um, really in the context of healing your relationship with yourself. (laughs) Because if you have a toxic relationship with yourself, oh my God, you're the most important person in your life. So thank you, Bethany, for being here. And I'm really excited to hear you speak today. Yeah, yes. thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited and
1: uh, excited to share and and offer as much value as I can.
0: Beautiful. And I'll also point out that Shahar is also joining us. He's I think a little bit frozen in his screen. <laughs> so we just see like a frozen head. So Shahar, you might even want to sign out and then sign back in if you can hear me. Right,
2: I'll try to yeah. go in and out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're I can hear you, but your head is frozen. So um so Shahar will come back, but Shahar is a mindset coach in our program. And um this, you know, this is something that we all talk about a lot is is how to heal relationships. And I think a lot of our methodologies overlap with each other. Yeah. So in this conversation today, um, what we're hoping for you guys who are listening. Oh, hey Jen, hey Nancy, I just saw that you guys are are already here, so I'm happy. Um, we'll see that you guys today can get some some practical tools, but also just a deeper understanding of how to cultivate a healthy relationship with you, yourself, and you. So, so let's dive in. Let's dive into this topic of self-worth and how to overcome negative thinking about yourself, even self-hatred or self-loathing. Um, so how about, Bethany, can you just maybe um, give us a little bit of... It, uh, let's define it. Like, What is self-worth? And why do we need to welcome back Shahar? <laughs> why, and and why do we why is self-worth matter, right? Like, why can't I just go on being my own worst critic and like expect my life to be great? Why can't I like why do I need to have high self-worth? and what does it look like? What's the difference between low self-worth and high?
1: Yeah. So low self-worth, you know, I work with a lot in my practice uh, and with my clients and I've experienced that myself. I think just like an overarching definition. And again, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a self-worth expert per se, but I feel that self-worth is really, in my opinion, your ability um, to receive, to feel worthy, to receive, to feel safe, in receiving and people pick up, uh, often subconsciously, a uh, belief of unworthiness somewhere in their life, usually from, especially from some either developmental trauma, uh, complex trauma, you know, event-based trauma, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, low self-worth is, you know, a lot of times I see it in women who are, uh, doers, doing a lot. Do, 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 do overwork, overwork, overwork. Um, and they tend to get in relationships with underachieving, uh, partners with no motivation or a lot of issues and they want to fix them because it gives them a sense of value. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that all stems from low self-worth and, you know having a healthy sense of self-worth in my opinion is believing that you can have what it is that you truly want when i when i work with my clients and 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 truly truly believing and believing i think is the operative word believing on a cellular level cuz a lot of people will surface talk and say i'm worthy I deserve a better relationship. I deserve a better man. But then a couple of weeks later, they go right back out and, you know, date another married guy or another unavailable guy. And then, you know, the whole thing continues. So truly believing it, in my opinion is really embodying that belief and, and believing it, feeling it really, really feeling into that belief and knowing even though you can't see it yet and it hasn't appeared knowing that you can have what it is that you want. Um, And so, you know, I was one of those people not believing it. And then my clients, when they come to me, even like, you know, on enrollment conversations a lot of times um, it's, it's challenging. Uh, They want to reach for it. They want to go for it, but Oh, I failed so many times. Right. And so um, yeah, that's, that's my, definition if you will between high and and low or lacking and you know an abundant self-worth
2: I you're can't. Are muted katie oh sorry <laughs> I was just like,
0: i'm like blah 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 i'm just talking to myself while i muted um that sounds so familiar bethany everything that you're saying because our clients also we've noticed and myself right like i attract people like me so Uh, A lot of times we see that is it's, it's not people, the people who at least who we work with, who struggle with binge eating, it's not out of laziness and it's not out of not wanting a better life for yourself or better habits and it's actually the opposite. These people are the doers. They are the type A who says, I have these high standards for myself. And a lot of times that is what attracts us to the diets because the diets promise, oh, well, then you will be this great being and you will have all of this control. And who doesn't want all of this control? Um, and and it's so interesting when you, when you say that this is the type of person who can be attracted to to the things that that tear us down, right? Whether it's a negative romantic relationship or a toxic romantic relationship, or, you know, just telling yourself you're gonna stay, stay away from chocolate the whole day until the end of the day comes. And then it's like, ah, screw it, right? When we get to that moment. Um, why do you think it is that people who are so driven and who achieve so much tend to have these like areas of life where where it's just not aligned.
1: Well, I think it. You said something really interesting that stood out for me. You said the word control, and I think ultimately it comes down to feeling in control. Um, people that uh, you know, I tend to attract and work with who are these like you know, type A overachiever perfectionist, often people pleasing, don't want to make anybody mad. Um, uh, yeah, binge eating and just the restriction that comes around binge eating, there's a certain sense of control. I mean, it's a maladapted form of control, but the same element, if you just pick that up and then put it over into the relationship, having a partner who has narcissistic personality disorder, borderline bipolar, is drinking every night, um, and this person, who might also be binge eating, or might also be shopping excessively online to make herself feel better, will try to gain a sense of control by helping her partner fix himself, and the sense of control, and and that control is really like the binge eating or staying too long with a partner who can't give her what she needs is like a big veil. Like I, I don't know if you remember the the uh, comic strip. Is it Peanuts or? Um, mm-hmm. Like Snoopy and the the guy the 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 character the little boy that was like filthy and like he always had this like cloud of dust around him like that's what I envision when people have these this this um, behavior this sense of control unconsciously right they find themselves you know at, at one a.m. in front of the refrigerator or sitting down at the kitchen table or they find themselves at one a.m. binge researching binge researching narcissism right
0: right?
1: sense of control and but ultimately that is just it creates this cloud of disturbance around them which truly prevents them uh in my opinion from receiving what it is that they really really want and i'm sure in your clients yeah you had something to say shahar i know
2: me and katie we have an understanding if i raise my hand that means that's something i want to add and i'll wait to to my turn to speak okay (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah well i think i think that's that's really what i what i wanted to say is that it just creates you know and and that cloud of disturbance people um you know it creates an emotional emotional response and people feel frustrated with themselves they feel shame they feel um you know powerless over the the habit of binging or powerless with a partner and um that just becomes the norm, and then they have to go back to their partner or sit down at one a.m. in the kitchen table and start binge to get that feeling again. So it becomes this, this loop, you know.
2: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. It's really, you can see really the correlation. Another thing I thought was very interesting regarding what you said and connected to self worth was that connection. And I like what you said. It's self-worth, right? Meaning your worth comes from the self. And if you are connecting your worth to something external than yourself, uh, a partner or in our case, it's like the food, right? How many times have we seen uh, that phrase, I've been good today? Because yeah, I ate a certain great. weight. Right. Oh, I lost weight. So I'm good. I ate bad. I was good. I was bad today. So I'm assuming if I, if I can uh, – if don't mind me assuming is that is something that uh, would happen also with like with uh, toxic partners. It oh, yes. was good today because they were in a good mood. I was bad today. So because they were in a bad mood.
1: Oh yeah. All the time, all the time. Or even when they've left the relationship, they'll go back and look at it with rose colored glasses. Was I, was he really a narcissist or was I just overreacting or maybe we were just having, so uh, you know, avoiding the pain, avoiding the pain of, of the, the truth. And like, you know, we, as human beings are conditioned, uh, from our caveman days to run away from pain and seek pleasure, like go into the cave. And so it's this ingrained, um, you know, mechanism, uh, we soften, we minimize, we justify behavior, right. We, oh, you know, so. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah,
2: and it's really fascinating because I get it, it. If we put our, our worth into something that is not ourselves, that is malleable and constantly changing, whether it's a good relation or a bad relation, it's inevitably going to end up in a bad way because it's not consistent, right?
1: Right, right. If
2: your self worth is consistent because it's more stable than relying on another person for your self worth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I really want to, cause you're kind of touching on something that's really important. Um, you know, self-worth comes from within and a lot of people and I'm sure you see this in your clients are kind of focused out there. Um, you know, and I also see that with the clients that I work with and sometimes this inability to be in here can stem, can stem from trauma, right? When we have, um, because I've also had clients with relationship, toxic relationship patterns that also binge eat, um, and kind of an underlying theme or thread is having some kind of trauma in the background, and that trauma will cause someone to be focused out here a lot because it doesn't feel safe um, to to be in here. They have to be scanning the environment to make sure nothing is... uh, conflict oriented or, uh, they want to not rock the boat or they want to please somebody. Right. And so they're kind of scanning the environment and then ignoring really what's going on in here. And so when you're living out there, um, it's almost impossible to, to really make that connection with yourself and, uh, fuel
0: your, and nourish your own self-worth. I think it's so interesting. You use that example of, of, of not feeling safe to relax, because one of the one of the common um, tools that each of us use in our work is relaxation as a primary. You know, like we teach them from day one. I don't know if you teach it that early, but I know your clients learn that skill. And I remember when I was first learning the skill of muscle relaxation, I was that person who you just described, where it doesn't feel safe. Like I didn't even feel safe to close my eyes. So my eyes were like bugged out while I'm yelling in my brain, relax, relax. <laughs> and that's how my journey to learn how to relax started. Thankfully, a lot of practice has happened since then and now I can be better at it. But even now I notice if I'm agitated that day or something, I it does, you know, it doesn't always feel entirely safe to really let everything go, to really kind of like melt into the floor and like focus on the body and not be in that fight or flight anticipating you know what bad things could happen sort of mode. So I was wondering, Bethany, cause we wanted to talk about today, right? These two, two tools at least to start helping people build up self-worth, right? Because a lot of um, people who, who we speak with are coming from a place of, I just can't stand myself that I can't get a grip on this. And there's so much, um, you know, self-loathing or hatred or unforgiveness that I've even heard some people say like, yeah, I hate myself. Like it's a just, it's a matter of fact. So there needs to be, you know, it's 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 I, I think unreasonable to expect that there would be a, a jump, like a massive jump between low self-worth and high self-worth. Like this has to be a gradual process, right? So what would you say would be the first, um the first shift really that needs to happen to shift from like a lower self-worth into a higher self-worth.
1: Yeah, well, slowing down, slowing down, slowing way way down, slowing down and um it's something that I also teach my clients from day one and you know, it's hard. And you know, slowing down means um you know, it could look something as simple as giving yourself an hour extra in the morning to do nothing or to sit outside or to read a book or, or just have some spaciousness, build some spaciousness into your day. Um, and, and And titrating it because a lot of times Uh, There's a lot of resistance to slowing down. Like you just said, you don't feel safe. Your body is going to be like, what the, what the F, like, what are you doing? And like, and then it can be a a negative experience for some people if they um, get in there and then they it's like going to the gym and you get really sore and you're like, screw that. I don't want to go back. So, you know, little bite sized pieces every day, just slowing down. One of the things that I have my clients do are awareness breaks um every day so it's a 20 it's called 20 second awareness breaks and i i literally have them set their phone to do to go off as a reminder five times a day um to just notice what they're where they're living notice they don't even have to stop the activity they could be typing the email at work they could be driving in their car um it's just to to zoom out i call it becoming the, the witness or becoming the observer um I think, you know, sometimes starting with zooming out and just kind of noticing, you know, where, what's going on right now. I'm typing this email. How do I feel? Just doing a quick check in. And sometimes just starting with like a really small thing, like 20 seconds, 30 seconds uh, can be enough to create that self-awareness that leads to greater change in relationship and the relationship with themselves and food
0: and money and all kinds of things. Sound familiar, Shahar? <laughs> we, we literally could have, like, it's, it's so amazing how all of this is the same stuff, right? And, mm-hmm. and whether we use the same, like, lingo, like, awareness breaks. But basically, we teach the same thing, where if you're sitting down with food, to take that pause, and we take it also a step further to, to shift the physiology, to change from sympathetic to parasympathetic as well, Um, and to really consciously relax the muscles so that way, even if the mind is tense, the body is still relaxed.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and then the mind can eventually catch up with the body. And one of the things that you said that I loved is just checking in to see where you're at, because a lot of times we're acting out of autopilot, especially if we're busy chronic doers. Autopilot is where we live. (laughs) So when we can, we call it a pattern interrupt where we stop the pattern and pause, then we slow the body down and slow the breath down. So that way, whatever happens next is a conscious choice.
2: Yeah. My turn. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to ask if it's okay I was wondering, so how does this this um, pause? pause? Uh, Uh, Can you guys uh, mute mute yourself? There's There's like a feedback Okay, fantastic. So I was wondering, how does this pause look like? Because I I would assume from a place of relationship, because relationships are kind of ongoing, aren't they? A lot of the times you'll find yourself in a relationship without knowing you got into it, right? How does that pause looks like before you get into the relationship? What if someone is already in the toxic relationship and is afraid to look at their life? Because once you look at it, you're dealing with it, right? It's like uh, with the binge are you're, if you're stopping yourself to, to look at what you're doing, you're, you're afraid to do that because you're already in that momentum going. And it's very rare that you find yourself in that time when you can stop and actually assess But sometimes you're afraid to assess someone's wondering how does that look from before the relationship or in the relationship or after like what how does that look like
1: um so that's a great question um i i i agree that it's it's more challenging when someone is in a toxic relationship to find that spaciousness to pause um here is here's what I know to be true. Unfortunately, things usually have to get really bad in a toxic relationship before someone just I'm sure like it might be for you guys with binge eating. And and just in people in general, people usually have to get pretty bad (laughs) before they're ready to change, right? They're like, okay, this is really getting bad. I have to do something. Um, So yeah, Um, but I think I think I'll just say if anybody's watching this and they're in a toxic relationship or they're in a marriage that they know is over and they're not getting their needs met, um, you know, it, it's really important to take that time to really listen and tune into that to that voice and face it, uh, because the longer you justify and minimize and make excuses for behavior or by the story that it's too hard to start over, whatever the case may be, um, you know, the, the worse it does get. and unfortunately you know, I experienced that personally, it does have to get pretty bad, and then you just incur more psychological and emotional damage. Um, But in the case of, you know, because so I help my clients break a pattern of, um, you know, unhealthy, unavailable, narcissistic relationships, they've usually followed a very specific pattern over their life. But the self-awareness piece comes in very, very uh, handy when they begin entering dating again, because for so long their body has been programmed to recognize love as a narcissist or unavailable, right? And in the beginning, it never feels that way. It never feels that way. It feels uh, quote unquote right, but it really just feels familiar because it's a match to their programming. and. The pause and the awareness that we start very, you know, front loaded at the beginning of our work together um, gives them the opportunity to slow down when they're in a triggering setting, like sitting across the table from a really hot guy who's got a few red flags and they're, you know, they want, they they feel that tendency or that urge to ignore it or excuse it or people please. they, And so the awareness um, really, really uh plays a big part in that in learning to slow down and, and speak their truth. And especially with people from trauma, slowing down is extremely difficult when they're faced, you know, a lot of the majority of trauma happens in the context of a relationship. So when they're returning to the scene of the crime, they're really going to want to be all out here and elite and abandon themselves and not be in here. And so that awareness, practicing that awareness and have them do that for like nine weeks before we even start to think about dating. Um, so it becomes a habit, uh, and, and tuning in, having that interoceptive awareness. What do I need right now? What is my, what's going on with my body? What is my body telling me right now? Okay. What do I want to say about this? These are all things that they can do in the moment and make a different choice. And then that changes the trajectory of their relationships. That's, That's what amazing. we do with
0: Trigger Foods. <laughs> also, <laughs> yeah, we'll set up these like these like um uh you know, situations like controlled situations where someone will basically be face to face with their trigger, whatever that may be. And they practice using those tools and using that ability to slow down and assess what's happening in the presence of something that would normally be triggering. So that way, when you get enough practice doing that, if you're triggered unexpectedly, you've already trained in that response. So you don't end up, you become less triggerable over time. Um, and I was actually curious, Bethany, because you mentioned something that really stood out to me with regard to self-worth. You said that sometimes it needs to get really, really bad before someone will reach out for help. And I've actually noticed that as well. Um, and we also you know, do specifically work with people who do have it really bad. Like they've been binge eating for at least 10 years, ninety nine percent of our clients. Um, and most of them, it's it's much more than that. It's 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. So, and the thing is, you know, sometimes people, I think the reason why they don't get the help, and obviously there's a zillion reasons why someone wouldn't get help, right? But I think some of it does boil down to self-worth, right? Because um, at least a lot of the women we speak with, they would not hesitate for a second to invest in help for their partner or for their children like it's a no brainer they will move mountains to support their families in whatever ways they need but when it comes to themselves i'm what popped into my mind was was talking to someone who would you know do anything for their family. She'd always be able to come up with the time or come up with the money or come up with the resources, whatever it was, but for herself, I remember when she was talking about getting help, she goes, well, maybe I should just wait till my first health scare because maybe that will scare me out of what I'm doing. And it goes to show like, would you, would you say that about your kid? Would you say, oh, maybe they just need to have a traumatic health episode and then we can help them. <laughs> so why? So we treat ourselves. We don't allow ourselves necessarily the help that we know we need because of the low self worth. So it like it it keeps us in the cycle because we're not really allowing ourselves to really give ourselves the help that we that we want or need. Yeah,
1: you froze there. For, there you are. Um, yeah, I I I would I would add that um, I see. Uh, sometimes the same pattern come up. I often say, like for me, it's like the behavior that got them into shitty relationships is the same behavior that stops them from getting help and stepping into a new uh, identity and a new pattern. Right? It's that the internal itty bitty shitty committee. I like to call it. Right? They're they're like inner their inner supervillain. Um, I also think, you know, yeah, learning to, I also think like, you know, for a lot of people living with the problem, whether they want to fully admit it or not is comfortable. It's comfortable. Their body is used to feeling. It's like a little little addiction, you know, uh, people that have been in toxic relationships, their family thinks they're crazy. They've left and gone back a million times, their friends don't understand it. their therapists don't understand it they're like it's an addiction. Their body is addicted to the 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 cortisol, the adrenaline, the feelings of chaos, all of these things. And so I think when um, people actually think of giving up their problem, you know, on some level, may, you know it's uncomfortable because they're giving up, you know what's what's been with them. It's like a comfort blankie for a long period of time. Yes. And um, yeah, and and actually uh, trying on a new way of living and cultivating that own self-worth can really be terrifying because it means they don't have the shield up anymore. They don't have the wall up anymore. They don't have, um, and they have to truly, in my opinion, you do have to truly be emotionally available um, and vulnerable to attract a, a healthy partner. Just you know, be a healthy person. Be a healthy person that's capable of, of you know having a healthy relationship.
2: Yeah, that's 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 truly it's, it's everything you say just just it's, it just fits in beautifully because what you're describing really it's it's not that you have a problem with relationship. You, I'm saying you like I'm this imaginary person I'm talking to, right? <laughs> They have this. It's not that we have a bad relationship with this with this toxic person. Is we have a bad relationship with ourselves, and and it's that, like you said, it's that familiarity. And we saw that, right? It can. There's some levels of comfort being negative to yourself, even though it's negative, and you understand that it's you're going into a dark path. There is something very comforting and releasing in that negative thoughts, just like with binging, because that's self destructive. There's something that because it's familiar and getting that away, like you said, because you don't have that foundation, you don't know what you're gonna have. I don't know who I am without this toxic relationship. I don't know who I am without the diets. I don't know who I don't know who I am with, with food freedom. I don't know. I can't recognize this person and I'm afraid because I might not like this person. I don't know what to do because here is comfort. Here is new. I don't know what is gonna be.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's really it can be really scary for a lot of people. It's really stepping into the unknown, you know. And I, the thing that came to mind, like a heroin addict, knows what he's doing is bad. He knows every time he drives to the drug dealer's house to get drugs, or he's sitting in the backseat of the car shooting up, he's like, "This is really bad for me. I know it's bad for me," but he can't stop himself because the the programming is so strong and it's you know um i don't it's probably the same kind of uh programming for you guys when your your clients are binge eating um intermittent reinforcement is like the most powerful behavioral mechanism you do something it's probably bad for you but you get a high from it you get a release from it and then you come down and then your body is looking for that dopamine rush and you're like i want to go do that again even though it's bad for me and this is you know why people develop bad behavior because they're getting a payoff from it in some way even if it's a maladapted payoff um and that's you know it's hard it's hard to give that up it's hard to give that up it's not for the faint of heart
2: so wait let me get this straight so you're saying or suggesting that if i yell at myself that what i'm doing is wrong and if someone else yells at me that what i'm doing it wrong is not going to change it
1: yeah, yeah, that's what I'm what? suggesting. No way,
2: no way. It's almost as if it strengthens the rebel mind.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah, it. Yeah, it totally. Because we get our body, our body gets addicted to, you know, adrenaline's really addicting, and I'm sure you know when your clients are on the verge of a binge. There's some adrenaline going through their veins. They're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know this is bad for me. I'll screw it. Here I go. And boom. you know, It's like getting at the top of the roller coaster and you're like, ee, 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 right? And the same thing when somebody's looking at their phone and it's 12 a.m. and they're like, I really shouldn't text my ex. I really shouldn't text my ex. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of adrenaline going, you know, in your body your body uh, gets gets programmed to 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 look for those feelings, you know, and uh, produce those feelings any way it can. So
2: by the way, everybody who's listening, if you resonate with this, definitely listen to our podcast from last week. We literally talked about the screw it moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that over our the edge moment. On the screw it moment. Not only that, but a few weeks before that we talked about we had Danny come on as a guest. Who she talked about breathwork, which is exactly shift like when that adrenaline comes, like you can use these tools to shift yourself from that fight or flight state into a more rest rest and digest kind of state, and um, and it's all it's all of this is so connected, and I and I think it's so important, you know. Also, as we're navigating the topic of self worth and we want to lift ourselves up as we're going through this process, there's two um, quotes that I like um change feel change happens best when change feels good
1: yeah
0: and um we can't change the things we don't notice so what i wanted to ask because you had mentioned self-awareness a a few times now and how self-awareness as it comes to cultivating our self-worth self-awareness is going to be one of the biggest ingredients for that so can you kind of dive into like how we can develop self-awareness and what we might do in those situations where we see the negative thinking and like what might we do in that moment or just kind of like give a, sort of an overview of how that shift is created into being more self-aware yeah. but more compassionate sort of lens? Yeah.
1: So I like to tell my clients and this is my belief in, in is that you can meditate and you can do breath work and you can sit on your couch and journal and do all these things and like. Write your affirmations, but that does not build self-worth, in my opinion. You can feel good in the moment, but where the rubber meets the road is when you're in front of your trigger, when you're in front of your refrigerator, or when you're in front of a person or a hot guy, and you want to do the thing you always do, but you then choose differently. You do the hard but right thing. You do the hard but right thing. It's like a drug dealer giving a heroin addict, pushing some drugs in his face, and he's like, <gasps> I really want to do this, but I'm not going to do it. That, that builds self-worth. Doing the hard but right thing builds self-worth, in my opinion. Getting yourself in a triggering scenario and you're like, shit, I really want to do the thing that I normally do. And, and choosing differently. And that takes a lot of courage it takes a lot of belief in yourself. You feel probably uncertain the few, first few times you do it. I know my clients do. They're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then they do it, and then like, it wasn't that bad. It actually turned out a lot better than I thought it would. That builds self-worth because you're then you're getting an emotional payoff in a different way. And then you just need to practice doing that. And practice doing that until that becomes the habit. And then you get the emotional payoff from something that's positive versus a maladaptive way. And that's how you break a habit and change behavior.
2: Right. And, and, And something else you said there, which was very interesting, is that those affirmations, that if they're not coming from a true belief, like you said, they're not... They're, they're not worth it, right? They're not gonna last very long. It's like uh,
0: Empty, they're like empty affirmations. Like right.
2: I say, no, I'm great, and then, but am yeah. I really, <laughs> like, that's what comes up. And another fascinating thing you said I love is how you, you kind of, what you're describing as how you deal with those triggers is kind of like building a skill, of like you're building- oh. Like self-worth is just developing and keep refining the same skill, which is a good news for everyone that it is something that you can develop. It's not something that you either have or don't.
1: Right. You can learn a new skill. Anybody can learn a new skill. It doesn't matter your um, background, how much you weigh, how little you weigh, your money. And that doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter. You can always develop, um, new skill, it just takes practice.
0: That's what we teach. Practice is 99% of the, sh- of, of the change. The theory is in the nice 1%, but the practice is the 99%. Jen just asked a question. She said, um, and this, you know, maybe we'll both answer this, because maybe, you know, since we're, we, we have a lot of similarities, but who knows if we we have differences here, but she asks, what's the difference between choosing to do the hard thing in the moment and using willpower? And I know that the reason Jen's asking this question is because um, with with food, right, the more, if if we're saying, you know, this isn't the right, I don't want to, like, I know, I know what our clients are thinking. I, I, I see this food, I know it's bad for me, right? It's not a healthy food. So I know there's nothing, you know, necessarily positive that's gonna come from me eating it. But at the same time, I know that the restriction is what makes me want it more. So how do I choose the right thing, but not to the point where it's gonna deplete my willpower? Yeah. So when oh, maybe you, you share from the perspective of relationships,
1: potentially. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the, when the, when she, when I saw the question, the first thing that came to mind was that um, just for me and my work, my clients and I also had to use a little bit of willpower. Um, I had to use more thinking from my prefrontal cortex when my programming and my body were like, just sleep with them. Just sleep with them. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Um, so there is a little, or, you know, a guy's like, you know, says something that's a really bad, big red flag and you don't want to mention, it. you're like, I'll oh, just, you know, so using uh, in my work, there is a little bit of willpower to make uh, a different choice in a triggering moment. Um, I think maybe another way to, to, to possibly reframe it perhaps for your clients who, you know, were doing the hard but right thing is is maybe look at the trigger as an invitation or as, you know, what can I appreciate about this? Or like, what is is what is the lesson here? Some people, uh, my clients included them, and then myself personally, will kind of get into, you know, maybe another unhealthy dating scenario, but they nip it in the bud. But then they go, why is this still happening? Why is this still happening? Why can't I get it right? And they kind of beat themselves up. So, um, you know, reframing to more of a state of appreciation. Oh, what did, what did I learn here? What did I, um, what is this showing me? Because it, it's my belief that everything that we're receiving in life is a, a reflection. It's a mirror back, a mirror back. And in my work, toxic relationships are often the greatest gift because it's just a big old wake-up call. Like, hey, you've got stuff in there you need (laughs) to deal with. And this person, I mean, it's not your bad luck.
0: It's you. Like, you need to deal with the stuff in there. It's all about us. Everything we do. I agree. It's all a mirror. Absolutely.
2: Right. There's there's something I wanted to say when referring to this question, and I think this is relevant for for everyone who is listening regarding relationships and regarding the uh, relationship with food, which is kind of the same. And correctly if I if I mistake if with my assessment what you're suggesting that it's the willpower that we're talking about is really the difference between willpower and doing the hard thing is really what is the core where it's coming from because if you're it's coming from a place of scarcity and fear of oh'm I'm, I'm resisting it, then that's what you would call willpower and that will decline and you're actually more than that you would actually strengthen the connection to that bad boy oh now i can't have now 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 it strengthens my connections so i keep thinking of on him and this keeps being in my consciousness by doing the hard thing basically making it uh uh and like jennifer said you're saying hard thing meaning there's a conscious choice there of i'm making a decision that it comes from a place of empowerment yes. and not from a place of fear that's yes. how i would see the difference right willpower would be fear and choice hard thing making a hard choice that comes from a place of empowerment and to develop that empowerment kind of to wrap everything we talked about sorry i know it's a tangent yes. is everything you described that you it has to be built on the foundation of self-worth in a proper practice and you keep building up because from that foundation can come that Hard choice, but if you don't have this foundation, then it's going to be willpower, and then it's going to crumble pretty quickly.
1: Right, 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 right. Having the foundation, the emotional foundation, the belief foundation. I use a lot of subconscious work with my clients as well. Um, when I when I say, I think from 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 my you, what you said was really really interesting, Shahar, and it and it, it made me have a realization. Um, for my clients, specifically, they have a, a a pattern of feeling the truth, feeling their heart, feeling their inner being going, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't do it, don't do it, and ignoring that, right? right? And not trusting themselves, right? And then, of course, they they make an, they make a choice, and there's no bad choices. One of my teachers said, there's no bad choices. There's just choice and consequence. What's the consequence of me making this choice? Um, and you know, and then they, they have bad consequences, but I think for, for my clients, um, specifically doing the hard, but right thing for them means I'm going to actually listen to this and then I'm going to do something about it. And that's hard, actually, that's harder for me, right. You know, at least in the beginning, um,
2: yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You you said it right there, right? Right there the word trust. It's really all yeah. about trust. And for Benjamin it's the same because the issue is not the it's not about the food, it's about the trust and the trust is what breaks the circle of that real bad relationship rebellion.
0: I also think just to circle back to Jen's question in in at least our case when when it comes to food is it's important to know what you're using your willpower for specifically because what we found is a lot of our clients have severely depleted willpower through long-term patterns of dieting or restricting of some kind and it's it's a lot of times you know that that's the case for you if you used to be able to go on a diet for three months and now you can barely make it through a day without binging. That's how you know that you've been using your willpower and now it's at the point of depletion. So a lot of times what we see is people using willpower in the wrong place for what they want. So they might use their willpower to try not to eat something, right? Instead of using just a little bit of willpower to just pause for a moment, right? Because that does take a a bit of will to be able to pause for that moment. So Jen, and I'm also speaking more directly to you because I know what you're working on right now, um, is instead of using that willpower to try not to eat or to make a different food choice, instead use that smidge of willpower to pause and calm yourself and use use the tools so that way, you are in that, you know, as Bethany would call it, the awareness check-in, right? You, you're, you're, you're bringing yourself into that place. So it's not like you need to have this endless supply of willpower to never eat certain foods, right? We know that that's what fuels binge eating. We know that the more we tell ourselves not to eat something, we'll want to eat it, right? So use the willpower in the appropriate place and in a very small quantity. Like willpower should not be your main tool. That you're oh, using. Yeah, totally. um if you're only relying on willpower it's going to just it's going to cycle and it's going to loop and it's going to be a series of failures again and again which will only erode self worth and self trust so instead using a small amount of willpower just to you know activate these sorts of tools in that moment and then what happens over time is you're not depleting your willpower you're actually building it back up from where it was, because every time you are able to slow and pause in some capacity, you're you're building that trust with yourself. Saying, "Look at that, I was able to just pause in what used to be an autopilot situation. I, it used to be just like totally mindless, totally automatic, and now look at me. I'm I'm learning how to pause, reflect." breathe, shift my state. So when you use your willpower to cultivate those skill sets, like we talked about building up a skill set, then you're you're actually building on your willpower instead of constantly depleting it, just trying to stay away from certain foods or certain relationships. Um, because when we try to do it that way, the willpower will always run out. Yeah. Yeah. So great question, Jen. And thank you for bringing up that up, because it is an important distinction. So, any last thoughts, Bethany, for anyone who is in a low place right now, feeling that self-loathing and self-hatred, and and any any thoughts on how to to build that up and and to create a stronger sense of self-worth?
1: Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say for anybody who is really in a low place right now, um, and I know it can be difficult to believe, is that um, you know there is always another choice available, and It doesn't need it doesn't have to last forever and while you might feel out of control in certain areas of your life you do have control on um you know on on taking your power back and and making a different choice and maybe that you know you just simply start with creating some spaciousness in your day right taking a walk doing something to interrupt the pattern right creating a little bit of a gap between your brain beating yourself up and your body feeling like you know a piece of you know what and just give yourself a moment um to create that spaciousness um i would always recommend investing in professional help especially if the pattern has been long-standing i know you work with people who have had the binge eating for many years, right, if not decades. And like, I think all of my clients that I work with have um, they're in their 40s, 50s or 60s, and they've never had a healthy relationship. And usually it just gets worse, right? The version just gets worse and worse and worse as as time goes on. So I think um, really working with somebody um, and you don't need, in my opinion, to work with someone for years and dredge up your childhood traumas and like overanalyze things. Um just working with someone to give you the toolkit and the skills and keep you accountable um, while you build that habit can be invaluable.
0: Yeah. I totally it's funny you say that because I, I our programs I think are around the same length, right? Like around 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and we've seen that too is, is some people have come to us saying, oh, I've already you know, been in therapy for five years and it's not really work. And I'm like, oh, my God, five years. <laughs> oh, my God, you should have had that shift in a week. Right. And and um, and I know that we we hear that a lot from people Is I've made more progress in this smidgen of time than I have in these. last. Like, I, I know both of us have that in common with our people. Um, And, you know, me and Shahar are always invested, investing in our own health and wellness because we see that as our most valuable asset, um, but I totally agree that if this is something that's chronic, it's important to also kind of acknowledge where you are in what's stopping you from receiving help if that is what you need, because that could just be a function of self-worth, right, as wh- yeah. of why you're not doing it. and. It, and the other thing that I think is important to remember is even if we have negative thoughts about ourselves, right, which you know we do, even as we're changing them, we still have those negative thoughts, but what's important is we stop taking them so seriously. We stop believing them as truth and instead we see them as what they really are, which is simply the stories that we have told ourselves. Um, and just for anyone, I, I think there's a little bit of feedback, so I'm just gonna mute. Um, But I think for for anyone who, you know, is seeking professional help, well, first of all, let's, let's talk about Bethany, because Bethany, I've seen some of the results from the people who you've worked with, um, which is like truly incredible. So if anyone here listening is struggling with um, your relationships or past relationship or pattern of relationships in the way that Bethany described, she has a really great um, masterclass. I'll put the link, I'll put the link um, after this. But there's a beautiful class, that's like an hour or so, right, Um, where you're going through all of the shifts that need to happen in order to make this change. And um, then someone can understand really where they're at. And if professional help is the next step, I know that you have a program as well, similar like we do, where you work with people very closely, um, because we know that with with longstanding patterns like this, there needs to be the element of closeness when we work with people. so I'll definitely put that link of yours, Bethany, in the in the comments for people to see. And I also want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of this with us. And, and yeah. All.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a wonderful conversation, and I'm I'm really grateful and honored that I could contribute.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Um, and for those of you guys who are listening, you, you if you're new to us, you you know that our I should say, if you're familiar with us, you know that we're here every Thursday and that we're showing up um, for this podcast. And if you're new, come back (laughs) because that's what we're doing. That's what we're up to. We're showing up every week with topics that are relevant to you. Um, So that way you can support yourself as you're growing. And of course, if you are seeking deeper levels of professional help, just like Bethany, we also have a program specifically designed for people with these long-standing binge eating and food addiction issues. So if you want somebody um, to hold your hand and to really help you through this, so that way you can end this part of your life and move on to a brighter chapter, please feel free to reach out to us directly and we'll be happy to help you and see if it's a fit. So, um, so let us sign off, and thank you so much, Bethany. Again for being. Yeah. Here. I hope that you'll come back again.
1: Yeah, of course. Talk
0: about maybe something something new. And yeah. I know that we have so many overlaps, so I would yeah. love that you would come back as well. Okay, but, thank you. Uh, and thank you guys all for listening and for your comments and for your likes and your hearts. Um, and let us know in the comments what your biggest takeaways are and what you're planning to apply to your life now and um, I want to okay.
2: say thank you for everyone for the likes the hearts and the eyeballs because we always have that sign the sign that has like just an eyeball on it oh
0: yeah we try not we try not to look at
2: that we don't want to psych ourselves out
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah so thank you guys all for being here and thank you shahar also for your insights as always um I love you very much <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll talk to you guys soon okay. and see you next Thursday okay bye
2: bye everyone